Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Bay Area Panthers pod. Part of the 95.7 The Game podcast network. Where you'll find analysis, news, notes, and more about the Bay Area Panthers of the Indoor Football League. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Grandy and Evan Kiddings. Yes, it's episode number nine of the Bay Area Panthers pod. Mark Grandy, Evan Giddings with you as usual. Coming at you here uh, from the 95.7 The Game Studios. Appreciate you guys tuning in to another edition of the pod. This one coming off of a tough loss for the Bay Area Panthers as they fall to the Duke City Gladiators uh, last weekend at home in SAP down in San Jose by a score of 43-20. to Bay Area is now one and seven, and Duke City, who was just ahead of Bay Area in the West, uh, in, in the Western standings, they're now three and five overall. So a a turning point potentially for the Duke City season as they get back in the win column. But the Panthers uh, fall again, forty three to twenty, the final score, and uh, Bay Area one and seven on the season. Uh, Evan, first of all, good to be back with you on the pod. How's it going? It's good, Mark. I mean, it's uh, it's obviously tough times for the Bay Area Panthers, but you know, not a better time than now for their bye week. So they'll have a little bit of time to get healthy, which has been kind of a, a running theme through the first you know four or five weeks of the season. And also for a Panthers team that had a lot of different faces, especially on the defensive side of the ball, which I personally think made some strides against Duke City. We had seen the previous three weeks since the change at the offensive coordinator position, them score about 36 points per game compared to the 23-point average prior to. So we saw them making moves offensively and beginning to get a little bit more rhythm but the defense had yet to catch up. That was maybe the most disappointing thing for me in this Duke City game is the fact that the offense had made strides. They didn't really do it against Duke City, a team that was perhaps vulnerable coming in. But on the flip side, we saw the defense make a couple of big plays for some turnovers. And I thought it was interesting to see how they, with new faces, especially in their secondary, uh, were able to 
hold up against the number one passing attack in the league. And I think overall did a pretty good job. So again, it's just about playing you know, complete football in all three phases. Special teams not bad as well. So whereas the defense was better this week, the offense lagged a little bit, which hadn't been the case the previous yeah. three weeks. Yeah, I agree with you. Well said. We'll talk about this game. Also, we'll, we'll key on a couple of players on offense this time that, you know, you come accustomed to us digging in deeper on some of these guys that we don't have the ability to throughout the broadcast. So we'll do that coming up. We'll look at some of the scores from around the IFL this past week. Check in on the standings, keeping an eye on you know the playoffs and, and who might make it, who might miss out. Uh, and then at the end, of course, they got the uh, the bye week coming up. We'll talk about uh, how the Panthers can use that to their advantage. Uh, but again, Duke City knocks off Bay Area, forty three to twenty, the final score on Saturday down in San Jose, and it was a slow start for Bay Area. You mentioned. The offense struggled, especially early in that game. I mean, Duke City, they were up 10-0 less than 10 minutes into the game, 17-0 early in the second quarter. That you know, 17 points in over a quarter, it's you know, it's not a terrible number from a defensive standpoint, but zero points through over a quarter, that is tough. You're not gonna win many games in the IFL doing that. And Bay Area didn't score in the first. Or the third quarter, they had just seven points through three total quarters. They picked it up offensively in the fourth quarter, scoring two touchdowns uh, to get to that final score of 43-20. to 20. Uh, But but just a tough offensive day uh, for the Panthers. It was quarterback Joe Newman's second start as the guy on this team. Uh, and, yeah, a slow start, but we saw him get going. And, and you look at, you know, kind of the, the, the final numbers, Evan, you know, they're not eye-popping. You're not going to go crazy, you know, about them. 8 of 18 passing, 71 yards through the air, but three touchdowns and just one interception. I think that this Bay Area team would absolutely take three touchdowns and one interception every game from their starting quarterback because we haven't really seen many games with three passing touchdowns uh, this year for Bay Area. And they they did really seem to get into a bit of a groove through the air late in the game and you know maybe you could say well the the end result was already decided they had to throw it you know maybe some of these stats were empty but still I think you could see Joe Newman making progress as the game went along he relied on his favorite target Cameron Pleasant he had two touchdown catches Uh, we saw DeAndre Douglas get into the end zone as well a very very slow start and you know you're going to fall behind by a lot. It's going to be really difficult to come back, but at least there were some strides, especially in the fourth quarter. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm on, I'm on the same page. I was very interested to see how Newman was going to respond after kind of a, a tough first week in his full-time starting role. And, you know, after getting an initial stop, he comes out in the offense, just, it just wasn't clicking. And there didn't seem to be a, a sense of urgency right off of the bat, which, which was unfortunate. And of course, Duke city, I think, kind of keyed in on that. And once you're down 17 to nothing, not that it's insurmountable, uh, but it allows the defense to do what it wants to do. And so Duke City came into the game. It was clear that they wanted to stop, number one, the running game, and they wanted to limit Joe Newman and his legs. That was the key for Northern Arizona, at least early on in the game against Newman. And it seemed like Duke City kind of keyed in on that obviously had a good game plan coming in. And I believe this was the first time in the last, I think it was five weeks, that Bay Area had been outrushed as far as the totals, uh, Duke City 80 to Bay Area being 40. But 
the bright spot, as you mentioned, was Newman's ability to move it through the air because that was kind of the big question mark coming in. Whereas the week before, we saw him show some flashes. Uh, but, you know, this week it seemed like he put it a little bit more together. And I was most impressed by his his trust in his wide receivers because, you know, he has Cameron Pleasant, who is an excellent deep target, a deep threat, kind of a contested catch savant, so to speak. And it didn't necessarily seem like he had trusted, you know, his wide receivers to be able to make those plays. And so I I thought against Duke City, he put balls in more catchable positions. There was one late where he hit, uh, I believe it was DeAndre Douglas deep over the middle that hit him, you know, unfortunately in the helmet, it wasn't able to make the catch. So there might have been an extra seven points tacked onto the end of the, the final score. So Newman clearly was in a better rhythm. And that was also kind of an underlying story coming into the game. Head coach Kurt Bryan had told us beforehand that Joe Newman said that the game had slowed down for him. And I think it was pretty clear that it did, even though 20 points isn't ideal. And, you know, again, some things happen throughout the game that don't go your way. Uh, But to me, Newman just looked a lot more confident back there in the pocket, which isn't easy to always say as a a 24-year-old playing in your first year in the IFL. The game is extremely quick. Other teams have been bringing a lot of pressure, especially on that offensive line, which has kind of been mixing guys in and out. They had some you know, key guys back this week. Sheffield got some help. Boss Tagaloa got some more reps on the offensive line. Uh, but clearly, they've had trouble when ec- the extra blitzer, uh, the middle linebackers, declared. And so Newman, I thought, did a better job of allowing the play to develop as opposed to just darting and trying to use his legs to create. Yeah, and you mentioned you know the pressure that he faced the offensive line. I think they were also better in the fourth quarter. You know, it's no coincidence that the the offense as a whole was better when the offensive line gave their quarterback a bit more time. Uh, you mentioned that Newman throw in the end zone where he he put it on target, just an unfortunate drop. There was also a moment I believe in the first half where Newman faced pressure, got a throw off. I I believe it was Douglas. I might be mistaken. It might have been Crowell. Um, where it wasn't the perfect, th- it wasn't perfectly on target, but the receiver had a couple of steps on the defensive back, and he just couldn't quite identify where the ball was yeah. in the air. Uh, if he is able, I think it was the opening drive. It, it might have been. Yeah. I think it was in the first quarter for sure. That's obviously a big missed yeah. opportunity. If, if he gets his head around, if he's able to identify the ball, maybe it was you know lost in a light. He couldn't quite identify it quick enough. If for whatever reason he's able to see it quicker, that probably goes for a touchdown. And you, you never know how that might change a game. You know, at the very least, it's going to make Joe Newman's stats look a whole lot better. Add another touchdown, a lot of yards, one fewer incompletion. You know, it's going to change a lot. So I think, you know, you look at his stats, again, 8 of 18, 71 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Not bad by any means. It could have easily been a whole lot better. So I think that's the positive for Bay Area on the offensive side uh, because the run game really was, for the most part, non-existent, which is really a tough pill to swallow for this team. You know, we've talked about it a lot. They want to run the ball. They want to be able to be the team in the IFL that keeps the ball away from the opponent and just runs the clock out. I mean, Dwayne Gary, who we've talked about a lot on the pod, eight rushes, six yards. That's just not going to cut it. Newman had eight rushes for 37 yards. He was good, made something out of nothing very often. But the actual you know, ball carriers, not named your quarterback, really, really struggled. 
the Panthers are going to have to get that right, you know, throughout the bye week here and then into the coming weeks as they open the second half of the season. But the other positive, I think, Evan, is the pass defense. And that was a struggle. It, it had been a struggle for a lot of the year, and they come in against the highest rated, you know, the, the team that throws the ball for the most yards per game in the IFL. Ramon Atkins, 20 touchdowns to one interception this year coming in for a whole heck of a lot of yards. He was 11 of 23, inefficient through the air, 108 yards. You get into triple digits, that's a pretty decent day through the air. Three touchdowns and one interception. Could have had another interception here or there. A number of his throws were very far off target. The Panthers made him uncomfortable at times in that game. Now, he still got his, again, three touchdowns, two to Jared Elmore and one uh, to Greg Dent. Uh, but I think overall, you know, considering the fact that the Panthers had one of the worst pass defenses in the league going up against the best pass offense in the league, I think overall the Panthers happy with how uh, they defended uh, this Gladiator team through the air. No doubt. No doubt. And for a guy in Atkins, like you mentioned, he had one pick coming in. At the end of the game, he doubled his INT total. I mean, they were able to force a turnover from a guy that simply does not give the ball away. And I, that was a fantastic undercut by Rayshon Pringle there in, in the first half in order to force that turnover. And, you know, as far as Newman, I mean, if he's below 50% completion, that is absolutely a win. And, you know, maybe he wasn't as sharp, especially early on. We saw him miss a couple of, you mean, of open you mean targets. Atkins, right? Atkins, yes. Gotcha. Um, you know, he wasn't necessarily sharp early on, but I, I don't think that that's just because he was having an off day. I mean, the Panthers were able to get pressure on him. They had a couple of sacks, a big sack by Allison down the tail, hand, tail end of that first half. And then, you know, they, they just they brought more pressure. I think that they were winning more one on one, which is, of course, what you need to do on the defensive line. Uh, we, we discussed at the half how they had to win in the trenches in order to try and, you know, overcome a 23-point deficit at the break at that point. And, you know, they played it even in the second half, 13-13. So they clearly made adjustments, which hadn't necessarily been the case through the first six games of the losing streak. We saw teams typically play the Bay Area Panthers kind of even through the first half, maybe gain a little bit of separation in the second quarter, and then from the second half, the beginning of the second half, really just blow the doors open. That was not the case in this game. It just so happened that, like we, we talked about in the broadcast, Mark, the game was just decided in the first 30 minutes. So, you know, the pass defense was absolutely better. Um, Want to, you know, credit Jaron Bryant, a guy who came yeah. in in his first game, was fantastic, I think, in the secondary. Uh, Rayshon Pringle, as I mentioned, had the pick, you know, uh, Nicholas Brazel has been doing a pretty good job since, you know, having taken over the the full-time secondary role that he's currently in was good in coverage as well. And I think the other big number you have to look at is 33 yards for Dello Davis. I mean, that was that guy was an absolute terror the first 4 weeks through the IFL. He killed the Panthers in their first meeting had three touchdowns and over 100 yards through the air. Eight catches, 105 yards. Eight and three catches, touchdowns. 105, three scores. He only had four catches for 33 yards, nothing longer than 11. So they made sure that he was not going to beat them. It just so happened that the guy on the other side, Jared Elmore, was the one who did. Now, we got to mention, of course, you know, this team dealing with injuries also on the defensive side. Leading tackler, middle linebacker, DJ Calhoun did not play for the first time this year. 
entering the week, 52 tackles, leading the team. Also second on the team in tackles for loss, tied for second in, in passes defensed as well. Clayton Glasgow, he he stepped in and, and did a pretty good job, led this team in with six tackles in his uh, first uh, uh game action this year he was with the team in training camp didn't make the opening year roster but uh, took advantage of his opportunity with six tackles uh, Kamai Yates who's now been back for a couple weeks from injury he had two big tackles for loss one of them was a sack four total tackles for him he was in the backfield often a number of other pressures and hurries on Ramon Atkins uh, so some positives there defensively, even when you're playing without arguably your most important defensive player, your leader, your captain, DJ Calhoun, on the defensive side. So uh, I think all in all, a, a positive um, showing from the defense. Just unfortunate that the offense was a little slow out the gates. And in the IFL, that happens. You have a high-powered offense on the other end. It, it just might be a case of of too little too late there for the Panthers, and that, that was the case Saturday night. I oh, just also want to point out, you know, 40 points defensively, they may sound like a lot to a lot of people. It's it's about league average. Yeah. And for, again, the number one passing attack that had been putting up consistently 40 points plus against their opponents, uh, I, I think it was a, a good day for the defense despite coming away with the loss. It just... You know that it happens, and you're you're waiting for your offense to sort of play catch up. Whereas the week before, as we talked about earlier, the defense didn't necessarily hold its part of the bargain up. Um, so you know the two sides basically flip flopped against Duke City, but I think a lot to build on heading into the bye week, and it'll be interesting to see also the the faces that remain on this roster moving forward because based on the opening day lineup to week nine for the Panthers for Duke City. There were five different faces on the defensive side of the ball, and they played a lot better. So clearly the coaching staff has identified some players that they like, that contribute, and that hopefully can continue to build and get better moving down the stretch. Yeah, and again, reminder in the IFL, you can have a 25-man roster you know, throughout the season, but game day's 21-man active day roster. So of the 25 players on your roster throughout a week or at any given time, only 21 of them can be active for a game. So you're having to deal with you know tough decisions every single week. Who do you suit up? Who do you leave off for this week? And you know that's not even considering the decisions where who are you going to include in the 25-man roster in the first place. Did Clayton Glasgow do enough to earn a spot in the 25-man roster even when DJ Calhoun comes back from injury? Those are the kinds of decisions and, and things that are floating through Coach Kurt Bryan's head right now as the team enters uh, the bye week. So we'll talk all about that. We'll have a podcast next week, even during the bye week. We'll hopefully be able to get uh, head coach Kurt Bryan on. Coach, if you're listening right now, this is your formal invitation. <laughs> if you want to come on with us next week, hopefully we can work that out and, and get you on the pod next week during your bye week if we can uh, get that done. Uh, but Evan, let's turn the page here a little bit and focus on a couple of players on the offensive side. I know last week we talked about a couple of receivers, some others on the defensive side. I want to focus on running back Dwayne Gary here for just a couple of minutes. Obviously not his best game this last week. We talked about it. He had eight carries, only six yards, uh, less than a yard per carry last week, but that does not diminish what he has been able to accomplish so far this year. He's been the team's leading rusher, you know, ever since 
the first couple weeks of the year, and he was not the you know opening night starter, but he is by far this team's leading rusher. 51 carries on the year. He has 201 yards, seven touchdowns, uh, average yards per carry, uh, just just a shade under four per touch. Uh, he's been really good. The 5'10", 190-pound back out of uh, Connecticut kind of came out of nowhere, at least you know from our perspective, Evan, because there were a number of names ahead of him early in the year. We thought maybe Dwayne Gary would be used a bit as a wide receiver, maybe here or there in the running game. Uh, you know, but now we're in the bye week. Panthers are eight games in, and he is undoubtedly the team's number one running back. And I'm not sure we're ever going to question that the rest of the year. No, he's to me the thing that has impressed me the most about Dwayne has been his competitive nature, and like you can see it through the screen yeah. when you're watching him. Not just in in how physical of a runner he is, but he always seems to want the ball. Like even when the play doesn't go to him. He is disappointed when he does not get the ball. And to some people that may seem like, oh, you know, he's he's a little bit of a diva. He's doing this. He's doing that. I take it as this guy sees himself as an impact player. He has been that, at least for the first four weeks of his starting tenure with the Panthers. He was arguably their best offensive player and really their only weapon, especially in the running game before Joe Newman took over full-time duties. And so he, he knows that he is important to this team. He knows what he can contribute, and he wants to do it every single play. Those are the guys you want to have on your team. And he also brings a little bit of a chip, you know, kind of a small town, small school guy, Western Connecticut State. He's from the East Coast, so he's put, you know, his life on hold to come out here and pursue this dream. Talked about it before he even signed. Uh, in an interview I read that he was, you know, his goals to get to the CFL, his goals to get to the next level. So he wants to, number one, help the team win. And number two, prove to everyone that he's you know that has essentially doubted him that he is deserving of an opportunity and i think so far he's proved that you know he's competitive he's productive and he's also one of the few guys that's remained in the lineup I and mean, we've seen him i think it was last uh, the last game against northern arizona where he went down in the first offensive series kind of looked like he came up a little bit limp with a left leg injury but he was back out on the field two series later and so I don't know if maybe that's something that affected him in his production this week, but you know he's important because every opposing defense is keying in on him. Like, they decided, Duke City did this week, that Dwayne Gary was not going to beat them. Eight carries for six yards. That tells me that he is on the right track because teams are respecting what he can do on the field, and it appears by all me- by uh, all you know, all points that he's also a good guy off the field as well. Yeah, I, I want to go back to something you said You know, at the very beginning there. You mentioned... Sometimes when he doesn't get the ball, he appears visibly frustrated. And, you know, you know, on the surface, maybe, you know, you wouldn't want your starting running back to at least have those frustrations, you know, come out on the surface. Maybe you want to keep it boiled down. You know, you you want to, you know, make sure everyone else gets involved. But I really like it. I, I want my best players to know that they're my best players. And I want them to feel like you know they have that weight on their shoulders that they have to you know carry a team at times and you know obviously it's a it's a very different situation but it it kind of gives me that Debo Samuel energy from this past season where if you remember that that wild card playoff game in Dallas I forget the exact situation it was late in the game a close game 
And it was a big third down, I believe. And, and Debo Samuel goes over to head coach Kyle Shanahan and says, give me the ball. Give me, I want the ball. Give me the ball. I'm going to get it into the end zone. And of course he did. And Debo Samuel is amazing. It's that, it's that same kind of energy where you're so insanely confident in, your, in yourself and your abilities that you want the ball because you know you can do good things with it. And when you don't get the ball, it's a little frustrating and you can totally understand it. Yeah, but and and but there's a little bit of a I think a fine line that you have to walk that both of these players in, in both Debo and Dwayne do, specifically with Gary, I think that he's the type of guy it appears to me that when he doesn't get the ball, he's not frustrated at his teammates, he's yeah. not frustrated at the coordinate the coordinator. He just wants the ball. And he is also the type of guy that appears to me that when he gets the ball next, he's taking that frustration out not on the guys in the huddle, but he's taking it out on the defensive lineman. He's taking it out on the middle linebacker. He's taking it out on the cornerback on the outside who thinks he's small, he's big enough to take down 190-pound Dwayne Gary. <laughs> he thinks that there is nothing that he cannot run through. And, you know, so far, at least through the first four weeks, he was proven right because he was the guy that you came to watch despite being someone that we did, knew little about as we're coming into the season. So I'm very excited to see how he continues to build. I'm excited to see how they use him uh, because also in college, he was a return specialist. We've seen him on special teams. I know Rayshon Pringle has been very good on kick returns. So that hasn't allowed Gary to maybe flex those muscles, but when they kick away from Pringle, Gary's the guy that gets the ball. He's made things happen. And he also helped in the passing game in college, too. So there's a lot that they can do with him. Uh, and I think they're just right now on the surface starting to figure that out. Yep, I agree. Well said. Dwayne Gary, expect big things the second half of the season. We're very excited for that. Again, you can get out uh, to SAP Center, watch him. We've got uh, a few more home games before the uh, first season of Panthers football comes to a close Head to BayAreaPanthers.com for tickets if you want to see uh, Dwayne Geary and the rest of these Panthers in action at SAP Center. Uh, Let's move over to another player, a player we haven't yet seen in live game action yet, and that is backup quarterback Isaac Hurd. He was just added to the roster before the game against Northern Arizona on the 1st of May, so a couple of weeks ago. He did not play in that game, although he was active. He did not play this most recent game on Saturday against Duke City. Five foot ten, two hundred pounds from Hawaii, the island of Oahu. He went to Southern Oregon University collegiately. He actually played wide receiver at Southern Oregon after playing quarterback in high school. He set a number of records at James Campbell High School in Oahu. Uh, But again, he played wide receiver at Southern Oregon University, and he most recently played for the Idaho Horsemen of the uh, American West Football Conference, which is an indoor football league in the Pacific Northwest in Oregon and Washington for the most part. And he played really well there for the three games that he was their starter before he caught the attention of uh, Kurt Bryan and the Sparia Panthers coaching staff. We've yet to seen him in game action, but again, 5'10", 200 pounds, quarterback, wide receiver, kind of like Dwayne Gary. He can do it all. He's he's an athletic player, and uh, you know we don't want to see him thrust into action. If there's an injury to Joe Newman, knock on wood, we hope Newman has a very healthy year. Uh, but uh, if, the, if something does happen, we're excited to see what Isaac Hurd is capable of because uh, he's a guy that, that's played all over the place in his career. And I think that's kind of why they brought him in to be the backup because whereas at the beginning of the, se- of the season, you could see the stark contrast stylistically between Murphy along with Newman. Murphy was the passer. 
Newman was the runner. Now you're asking Newman, of course, to be a dual threat. Hurd is kind of that guy. He's got experience at different positions, so you know that he's athletic and he can do it all. Uh, but he also, you know, is able to to go through the air. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, granted didn't play at a big school, but in high school was extremely pl- productive. And in Hawaii, you know, when you think of the big schools, you think of Punahou, you think of you know, St. Louis, you think of Mililani, you think of Kahuku. You don't necessarily think of James Campbell as being the big... You know your Hawaii high school. I'm just I'm just saying, man. You know? I know St. Louis, that's it, because that's where Marcus Mariota and Tua Tagovailoa And that is went. what most people know Hawaii <laughs> football for, kind of those big football programs. But this was a guy that in high school had 38 total touchdowns as a senior, pretty much split evenly between passing and rushing. So he has shown... That he can do it, you know, on the island. He can. He came to the mainland. He's performed in college, and now gets a chance to strut his stuff in the IFL. So even though we haven't seen him yet, hopefully you're going to get a chance to, you know, maybe in a, a a series here, a series there. If the Panthers can either run away or a game is out of hand, I'm excited to see what this guy can do because from everything that I've read, he's electrifying and kind of a, a Joe Newman light, so to speak. So if Newman goes down, I expect the the play calling to be similar, and that's probably why they brought him in, because he has a, a similar skill set. I agree. I, I'm just astounded by your Hawaii high school knowledge. Well, I went to college with a lot of Hawaiians, and so they were uh, at, at different high schools, and gotcha. you just, I mean, you kind of learn. Uh, you, you pick things up, Mark, when you're around the town. I've also spent a little bit of time out there in Oahu. Oh, that's nice. Not just mad about it nice, at all. Nice little humble brag there. Well, you know. <laughs> no, I, I, Isaac Hurd comes from a beautiful state and a beautiful island. So uh, are there any other like athletes that you know I would know, we would know from those other high schools? I mean, I, I mentioned St. Louis and you know the famous quarterbacks from there. Are there any others that you know of? I mean, as far as the, the individual talents, uh, there aren't a ton, but... Like those schools are typically the most dominant yeah. ones when it comes to football. Those are I kind of just listed like the top yeah. at least four prominent programs that I know of. Gotcha, gotcha. So Isaac Hurd again from Oahu Southern Oregon University as a wide receiver, but he is the backup quarterback for these Bay Area Panthers. Again, we hope uh, nothing. We hope a, a very healthy season for Joe Newman, but uh, we would like to see Isaac Hurd at some point. Exciting player. Uh, here for the Bay Area Panthers, the backup quarterback for Bay Area. Uh, but let's uh, transition here quickly, Evan. There uh, is a number of interesting games around the IFL again this week. We talked about it on the pod last week. Some upsets, some really high-powered matchups. Arizona, uh, they played Frisco two weeks ago, a battle of the top two teams in the league. Arizona came out on top. They remained undefeated, but guess what? They lost this week. Down goes Frazier. I mean, <laughs> down, down goes the Rattlers. Like that was that was something that completely blindsided me. But based on the way that this IFL season has sort of you know shifted, especially in recent weeks, um, not surprised to see the Rattlers and a team that has pretty much dominated the IFL from their existence. Uh, to go down there, you know, they're due for a down week and and their opponent was able to take advantage. I mean, like they were undefeated, yes, and they had clearly to this point established themselves as the best team in the Western Conference. But there's a lot of teams that are beginning to catch them. You know, Northern Arizona was a team that I wasn't necessarily impressed with the first few weeks of the season. And now they have run into, you know, perhaps maybe the best team currently playing as far as momentum is concerned. I mean, you look at Tucson that didn't necessarily scare a bunch of bunch of teams. Um, 
But they just beat Arizona. They put 74 on them. They put 74 on them. And last week, they only beat Duke City by a point. So, you know, it just goes it just goes to show that week to week, teams, you know, obviously football is, is such a, I don't know, an individual, it's a small sample size sport. You don't have that many games throughout the season, so each one is incredibly important. But with the 21-man roster, faces are different each and every week. So we don't necessarily know the circumstances of how banged up these teams are, how many guys are getting in, how many guys... You know, actually available that are productive to play. We know how many fa- how many new faces the Panthers have had just on their roster alone. I have to imagine it's pretty similar around the league, and so maybe this is Arizona's time to take a little bit of a dip. And hopefully, teams at the bottom of the Western Conference, Barry Panthers being one of them, can use the bye week to get right and just know that no matter how your season started, looking at Northern Arizona, looking at Tucson, yeah. looking at Duke City. I mean, there's plenty of time for you to turn your season around, even though you're eight games in. Yeah, maybe the other notable result from this past week, Green Bay goes into Bismarck. They dominate the Bucks, 55-14. to Green Bay coming in was, you know, one of the worst teams in the league. They were last place in the East. They're still, in fact, last place in the East, but they got a whole lot closer to Bismarck, now just a half game behind them in the Eastern Conference standing. So interesting there in the bottom part of the East. But as we look at the West now, after this most recent week, Arizona, although no longer undefeated, still standing tall, 6-1 and one overall, 5-1 and one in conference, a game up on Northern Arizona. As you mentioned, maybe the hottest team in the league right now. They're 5-2 and two overall, 4-2 and two in conference. Tucson right there with them, 4-2 and two in conference. And then Duke City, they're 3-3 three and three in conference. Vegas is 2-3 and three in conference. And then uh, San Diego at one and four and one and five. Again, remember, top four teams in each conference make the playoffs. So while the Panthers still have, you know, they have a lot of work to do. Their work is in front of them, and there's a decent amount of it to get done. By no means are they out of this thing. They are still in the thick of it. You win a game here, you win a game there, you get, you know, some help elsewhere, and you could be right back in the playoff hunt. You could be in the playoff picture you're still in the playoff hunt right now and I think that's the great thing about the indoor football league 14 teams more than half eight make the playoffs it keeps all these teams hopes alive until very late in the year well and I want to throw this at you because it kind of seems to me that the way that these games have gone or at least how team seasons have gone so far kind of mirror the way that the actual individual game is played like it's explosive you have runs and then, you know, you could also fall into lulls. And it's it just seems like teams have sort of, you know, racked up three or four wins in a row. And then they'll have two really bad weeks. I mean, you mentioned Bismarck and how they've been oh kind of abysmal the last three weeks. They looked like one of the best teams we've seen all year when they, when they played the Bay Area. At the time, they'd put up, what, 74 points. It was a season high in the league. They looked unstoppable. 76 points. 76. And that was without their starting quarterback for half of the game. Yeah. So... Then the next three weeks, they lay eggs, including this week. So right now, they're probably staring themselves in the mirror like, gosh, what are, you know, what are we doing? We had, we had everything moving right, and then now we can't seem to figure it out. So the Panthers have certainly felt like that a little bit longer, but you're just as able to, as we've seen with Tucson, first three weeks. I mean, they're a shell of what they are now. And they've won three in a row. Northern Arizona continuing to build and just a couple of, you know, close losses here and there. So there is a lot of time to, 
I mean, in a 50-yard field, in a 16-week season, you can flip things like that. And we've seen it in games. I mean, we've seen it happen to the Panthers a ton. So you have to imagine at some point they'll find their stride. And I am just looking forward to the point where that happens because this is a league where once you find something and it clicks, you really get to roll. Yeah, I agree. I think that's really well said. The 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 season as a whole, it, it, it kind of mirrors uh, the way individual games are played. I haven't thought about it that way, but I, I do definitely agree. Uh, so the Panthers uh, into their bye week now, and I think it comes at a good time. They've lost seven straight games. They're one and seven overall after their uh, you know a franchise opening win against San Diego uh, over a, a month ago now. Uh, one and seven again on the year now going into their bye week uh, coming up after the bye in Northern Arizona, as we just talked about, uh, one of the hottest teams in the league right now. Uh, speaking of of that game, again, it's on the road down in Prescott Valley in, in northern Arizona, but the Bay Area Panthers are hosting their first ever watch party. It's Saturday, May 21st at San Pedro Social. Again, the Panthers against the northern Arizona Wranglers. Kickoff is at 6.05. Doors open at 5 o'clock. You can win prizes during the game. Also, there'll be a halftime Q&A with Panthers players and coaches. You can meet the Panther uh, Panthers dance team and also the mascot Claw. And there is a special happy hour food and beverage offer as well. Again, it's the Bay Area Panthers watch party Saturday, May 21st at San Pedro Social. Doors open at 5 before the game kicks at 6.05. That's at 163 West Santa Clara Street down in San Jose, uh, near uh, SAP Center. Uh, again, you can head to BayAreaPanthers.com for more details on that, but should be a lot of fun on Saturday, May 21st. Going to be a big game for the Panthers. You want to come off the bye week uh, with a win. After that, you then have back-to-back games against the league's best team. No longer undefeated, but you play in Arizona against the Rattlers on May 29th. You return home on a short week, play Arizona on the 4th, and then you go at Tucson, at San Diego, at Vegas, before returning home against Massachusetts and Tucson. No gimmies left on the schedule, Evan. The Panthers got to come out the bye week swinging because they're going to need to pick up some wins uh, after uh, this nice week off. No doubt. It, you know, it just so it just so works out that at least from what I've seen, you know, the Western Conference this year has, I think, established itself as maybe a more consistent group of teams, especially at the top. And the Panthers kind of tend to match up with those teams just based on the inaugural the inaugural schedule. Um, so, you know, you would like to be able to pick up a win against Northern Arizona because it doesn't look like Arizona is going to give you much. But then again, they just took an L this week. And so maybe they're down on their luck. Panthers able to catch him at the right time. And then you go at Tucson. You got the, the three-game stretch coming up in, in June through the beginning of July. Um, you know, a big matchup, obviously, looking at San Diego, the team that the Panthers have beaten so far this year, all the way back on opening night. Um, a lot of football left in between now and then, but perhaps a chance for the Panthers to really discover who they are. Like, if, if you're in the middle of a, of a seven-game stretch where you've lost... You know, it's been kind of by a wide margin in a few of these games. You know, it, it's an opportunity here in the bye week to look at yourself in the mirror and figure out what you want to do with your season. Now, maybe that's just develop and get better and try to get to another league because, again, the IFL is not the end-all, be-all for the careers of these players. 
but you certainly give yourself a better chance to get looks if your team is succeeding because odds are you're probably doing well. We've already seen the Panthers, you know, get a player to the CFL early yeah. this year. And so, you know, uh, a hickey yeah. onto the to Ottawa. So, you know, they, they do have a pipeline and they do have a chance for guys to move up. You know, Dwayne Gary talked about before the season that it was his goal is to get to the CFL and then hopefully, obviously, to the NFL. And a lot of these guys in this roster have spent time in camp with NFL teams, even though they maybe didn't make it to the 40-man roster uh, or 55-man roster, pardon me. But so, so this is the point of the season where you figure out what you want to accomplish and you just hope that your individual goals align with the team goals, which, of course, is winning. Yep. So Panthers off this week before they head to Northern Arizona the following week on the 21st. Uh, Panther fans, if you just can't go a week without IFL football, I suggest maybe tuning in for Vegas at San Diego. Uh, head to the uh, Indoor Football League YouTube page. You can watch it there. Again, Vegas at San Diego, Saturday the 14th at 5 o'clock. That's probably the one game with the most importance to the Panthers. Uh, those are a couple of the teams just ahead of uh, of the Panthers in the Western standings. Again, Vegas and San Diego, Saturday the 14th at 5. Uh, you can watch that game on the IFL YouTube page. And again, you've got a few more home games before the Panthers say, uh, before they close the books on their opening season. Uh, they're at home against Arizona, against Massachusetts and Tucson. If you want to attend any of those games, head to bayareapanthers.com for tickets. It's super cheap to get in, and it's a whole lot of fun at SAP. Uh, so we certainly hope we see you there uh, at, for the final three home games of the year. But that'll do it here for episode number nine of the Bay Area Panthers pod. Thanks so much for tuning in. And again, even though the Panthers are on by this weekend, we'll have another edition of the Bay Area Panthers pod coming up next week. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts, uh, part of the 95.7 The Game podcast network. We appreciate each and every one of you for tuning in uh, throughout the season. For Evan Giddings, my name is Mark Rianni. Thanks so much for listening. We're back next week with more here on the Bay Area Panthers pod. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Bay Area Panthers pod, part of the 95.7 The Game podcast network. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.